It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with your host, James Rapine. And James, today as we record on Tuesday, this was the final open OTA practice of the offseason period. Now, we do have mini camp next week, which will be three days, all of which will be open to the media, is my understanding. So we're excited for that three days of practices that we get eyewitness reports about, but as OTAs wrap up this week, this is the final day of the optional activities. You got to go down to the practice fields and watch. I heard there were a good number of fans outside, but maybe nobody on the bridge today. So no rogue videographers up there or anything. How was the final day of open OTAs? I got to start with this. Thank goodness for in-person OTAs. I, I thought back and I was talking to Paul Daner Jr., before practice officially started while the players were were stretching. And I was like, yeah, OTAs, huh? And he just jokingly. And he was like, yeah, it beats being at home. And I was like, it certainly beats last year. And I, I think we are all grateful that, uh, you know, the Bengals are out there on the field. But it was, one, it was good weather. I was worried that it was going to be kind of rainy or maybe they'd have to practice inside. But the weather held off. And look, it, it seems like each week, Joe Burrow does more and more and more. And if the OTAs, if there's one theme, if there was one thing we were going to monitor the most, it was Joe Burrow and how much he would, how much progress he was making. And it seems like he's doing more and more each week. And today, my understanding, James, is he did some play action fakes with running backs back there. Zach Taylor was asked about that after practice, said he told the running backs to give a wide berth on those play action fakes. So maybe not exactly a realistic walkthrough rep kind of thing, but still some bodies a little bit closer to Joe and notably, and Taylor also talked about this in his press conference, a lot of emphasis on the deep ball today. And I think that's the big topic for us to start on Joe Burrow and the quarterbacks and the wide receivers, according to Paul Daner jr. Spent the last 30, 40 minutes of practice working on deep balls. Taylor said, we don't do it early. We let these guys make sure they're in shape. We don't want anybody pulling a hamstring early on, essentially. But today, and you saw this too, a lot of emphasis on deep passing reps. Yep, and unfortunately, it wasn't during the open video period. I do have photos, which I'll post. Uh, maybe by the time you're you're actually listening to this pod, so you can check those out. But no video, unfortunately. But yeah, it was... Uh, certainly more of a, a team day for Burrow, where he wasn't just doing a lot of individual stuff. He was doing more team stuff. And the deep ball was the emphasis. And there was some inconsistency there. And I, I just think uh, more so than anything, uh, it was about timing. It was about um, figuring that part out. And, and I think that's going to be 
uh, a work in progress. And it usually is during the early stages of training camp anyways. And so if this is the first time, and I assume it is the first time that they did this much deep ball work, and we don't know, maybe they did that last Thursday or last Wednesday, but I assume it is. And, And if that is the case, then you expect them to be a little rusty. You expect them to be um, on separate pages at times. Not that it was nuts because you're you're going against air, but there were certainly some misses and and some drops and things like that on both ends. No, Jamar Chase didn't drop any balls. Sorry, I just had to say that before I uh, turned it back to you. Every time we get to watch one of these preseason practices, how many balls did Jamar Chase drop today, James? Zero? I didn't see Great. any. Perfect. Yeah, that's right. Awesome. Uh, There's also a note from Paul Daner, by the way, that Jamar Chase stayed after working with Joe Burrow on some extra throws again. And one that he pointed out, and I retweeted this because I thought this was a cool observation, was one of those was a double move that, according to Paul, was eerily reminiscent of one of the highlights of a Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase pass that played a lot on highlights during draft season. So, That's kind of fun, right? That's a fun note. One of the after practice extra work plays reminding Paul of of one of those LSU highlights from from Burrow to Chase. That's a fun thing to relive. No no doubt about it. That's why he's here, right? And that's the thing is you're only going to get so much in OTAs and then most of the media is walking away and and they get extra work and in practice and – yeah, that, that's the time. And honestly, that might have been when Joe finally felt a little warm, right? He's got a lot of throws in that arm. His his arm's probably really, really, really rested. So he might have been just uh, just getting warmed up enough. I, I'm kind of kidding there. It's a little tongue-in-cheek because he had been throwing all practice. But um, it, it is good to see. And uh, I personally did not see that one as I was getting ready for the Zooms. But uh, I'm sure that uh, he looked apart. And I will say this, Chase – continues to look really really good today when he was going through drills barehanded he wasn't using uh gloves at all so maybe he heard those like rumblings about drops (laughs) because my guy was out there with uh you know just his hands and i didn't see any drops i saw some reps with gloves and some reps without from from some of the video that i saw of chase and i thought he looked really good going under those little bars where they they had the receivers running under the hurdle running comeback routes i thought he looked better going through that particular drill than T Higgins, but you'd also expect that sort of movement to be a little bit easier for a guy with a little bit of a lower center of gravity, a couple inches shorter, right? So not taking anything away from T who also received praise, but just, just throwing a little bit of love to Jamar chase. But what really stood out to me about the deep ball conversation is something that Zach Taylor said that lines up with something that I think we could observe going back to the 2020 tape on Joe Burrow. And that's that the QBs, I think it was the QBs, but he didn't really specify, missed their landmarks on some of the deep balls in practice today. And he might've been referring to the wide receivers, but I think when you talk about this, judging from what we've heard about some of the throws last year, I think this is referring to the quarterbacks. And this was an issue that Joe Burrow had last year on a few throws and we've talked about a couple throws against Washington a couple times. And, you know, we, we know that there were general accuracy issues on deep balls last year. And some of those are overthrows, straight overthrows. And some of those are, you know, this throw is supposed to be up the hash, but instead it went vertical and it stayed outside the hash and it went upfield instead. Did you see any of that today, James? Or what was the nature 
from from your eye of the misses. You talked about timing, and if it's timing, I'm less concerned. But if it's we're still having issues hitting those landmarks that Taylor's talking about, we have to go back and tape and look at. At this point, I would expect that needs to be cleaned up pretty quick. I'm sure there were some right uh, of the landmark issues you're talking about, but most of the stuff I saw, and I saw it both ways: receivers coming at us. And, and, and Burrow and the other quarterbacks throwing towards the media and then vice versa where you get the back end um, of Burrow and you, you can see, you know, the his footwork and stuff like that. It's easier to see because he's closer to you. Uh, to me, it was it was more timing. It was stuff where he releases it and the receiver has to wait a, a tenth of a second. Right. And has to slow up a little bit on his route or it's just out. Uh, of the outstretched arms of Tyler Boyd, but Boyd's pissed at himself because he didn't come up with the grab stuff like that. And so I didn't think it was anything too serious, but I agree with you that it, it is one of those things that if it's an issue early in camp, we're going to talk about it. If it's an issue, let's say Burrow plays uh, a preseason game or two and he misses a deep ball, like jo- Jamar Chase is wide open streaking down the side and he just misses him. It's going to become more of a a talking point because I think you can give Burrow a mulligan for last year, but if it starts to become an issue this year, then you wonder if that's just him, and that would be the scary part. Um, So, no, I I don't think it was necessarily those landmark issues, but we'll have to uh, sit down with Zach Taylor here on Locked on Bengals, hopefully in the near future, and and see if he'll, he'll give us the answers there. Yeah, and maybe it's not just Burrow. Maybe it's all the guys because Taylor does make sure. a point to talk about the depth. Every time he's asked about a position group, he's like, yeah, well, the linebackers, the top of the linebacker group, yeah, we, we have high expectations for them, but all seven of those guys, right? You'll hear him talk about the depth every time he's asked about a starter to position. So this might not all be about Burrow. So that is a caveat that I suppose we should throw out there. And again, I don't want to sound any alarm bells here, right? This is week three of OTAs. We're not even to training camp yet, but as you say, James, this isn't something that I want to turn into a narrative either. So I hope the Bengals come out and and kind of set the league on fire and hit some of those deep balls early so we can (laughs) shut up finally about Joe Burrow's issues, translating the deep ball from college to the NFL. A lot more to talk about in OTAs. The final week will continue coming up next. RockAuto.com is the place to go for all of your auto parts needs. Look, no one likes unreliable transportation. No one wants to end up stuck on the side of the road. RockAuto.com can help you stay on the road for less. They're a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for more than two decades. I've used them and you should too, because you're going to save time. You don't have to go talk to Earl at the big box store where he types in what make, what model. No, you don't have to do that. With rockauto.com, you can save time and do all of that from the comfort of your own home. And they have thousands of parts for any make and model you can think of. So check them out right now at rockauto.com. See all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on. And they're, how did you hear about us, Box, so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. BetOnline remains the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your sports action. They've got you covered with news and real-time updated odds all in one place for every sport you can imagine. NBA playoffs still going on. Are these suddenly blazing hot Brooklyn Nets? going to walk their way to an NBA championship. 
could be worth a bet. I don't know. I'm not you. I can't make those decisions. If it's not basketball, got the Stanley Cup playoffs, UFC and MMA action, baseball going on, NFL futures, over-unders on win totals, all of it there for you at betonline.ag. So go check out their bonuses and the contest information for what they're currently running. And when you sign up, make sure you use promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus on that first deposit. Again, that's promo code Locked On for 50% on your first deposit at Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Jake, we have another Bengals wide receiver that has felt the wrath of Joe Burrow's new velocity on that right arm. T. Higgins on Tuesday said that he said, quote, Oh, shit. The first time that he caught a slant from Joe Burrow in OTAs because the ball stung a bit more than it did last season. And it uh, uh, was one of the many observations uh, of T. Higgins that we've had over the past couple of weeks. But uh, one thing I mentioned, I think after the first OTA practice a couple of weeks ago, was how T. looked bigger and not slower, not fatter just bigger, like a more of a man than not that he ever looked like a boy, especially compared to most men in average sizes, but he just looked thicker, looked stronger. And he confirmed on Tuesday that, yeah, he's, uh, he is stronger. He was hitting the weights and, uh, first with the hamstring. And I know some people were concerned about that. The hamstring issue bothered him last year in training camp. Then again, flared up on him at the end of the season in week 17 against the Ravens. He didn't run routes at all at the start of the offseason, was strengthening that hamstring, strengthening his legs uh, and his entire body. He said he was in the weight room uh, just doing that and focusing on weights and getting stronger. Then he got out there and started running routes again. And then back to the weight room, says he weighs 220 pounds, which is what he weighed last year entering training camp. But he doesn't feel like it's holding him back like it did last year. He dropped a couple of pounds before the season to get a little faster. He thinks he's just as fast, if not faster, and much, much stronger out there. So good uh, step in the right direction. And all those observations of his body and things like that, he confirmed it, you know, that he's uh, he's certainly been focused on getting stronger for year two. And it makes sense. We see this all the time, right? Players come out of college programs, no matter if it's Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, or UAB, and they get to an NFL strength and conditioning program. And when they're 21 years old, the way T Higgins was when he was drafted, he he's 22 and a half now, by the way, you can a lot of the time see now you're on a, a professional weightlifting and diet regimen and you get that stuff sorted quick. And the fact that he's remade his body makes a lot of sense. The fact that he's another receiver praising Joe Burrow's velocity, adding to the mythos. I mean, what are expectations at this point, right? Are we are we expecting him to come out and knock a receiver down with a pass in week one and just put all of the baby arm Burrow memes to bed? Or, or what do you think? Like, I feel like I've asked you this before, but this is the third time you've seen him now. Is it apparent to you? Do you think from observations that he's throwing the ball harder? I do, but I, I don't think he threw the ball that hard last season. Like, I, I, And I'm not knocking him. I, it was accurate, and it was where it needed to be. But I, I never looked at him last year and thought, oh, he's throwing it 
extremely hard, right? Like uh, Brett Favre just rocket over the middle. Well, yeah, but and I, I don't really feel like that way now. Like I, there are certainly times where he has touch on the ball, and it's not just these line drives everywhere. But yeah, I mean, there especially, and I have some video of it. There, are, uh, even from Tuesday's practice this week, there are times when they were going through drills where he was, and I'm visualizing this throw into his left side. It was T and then he was hitting chase and then he was hitting a trainer over the middle. And to me, it, it felt like they were just harder throws than we would have seen from him last year. Now, do they feel much different on the receivers? It sounds like it, but they, I think they look a little bit different for sure. That's what I really wonder. I, I, and I'm trying to decide how much of a storyline this is, how much we should be talking about it, right? Because we don't always talk about the things that get asked in the press conferences. We pick out the stuff that's interesting, and this has certainly been a recurring theme. I can't decide if I think this is actually a thing or not, but I I keep going back to the conversation I have with Hayden Winks when it's like, do you really want to doubt Joe Burrow? And do you really want to doubt, I guess, Joe Burrow plus CJ Uzama plus T Higgins plus Tyler Boyd? when they're all kind of saying the same thing. I mean, and Zach Taylor's out there saying, you know, we're not tracking it. And he's kind of backing away from commenting on velocity because he's been asked a question too. I just wonder if this is actually a thing. And it's it's very hard to tell. Maybe we'll get a better feel during training camp or, or early in the season, or, or maybe not. Maybe it's all the same. But that's why it's a question, James, is because people didn't think he threw the ball very hard last year. And, and so it became a meme, the, the baby arm burrow meme. And it is what it is. So let's <laughs> stop talking about pass velocity for Joe Burrow and, and talk about one of the more interesting things I heard Zach Taylor say in his press conference. And that was that in his praise for Joe Mixon, when Ben Baby asked kind of a follow-up question to his discussion with Brian Callahan earlier in the offseason, Taylor praised Mixon for his blocking. He said, He knows who to block in protections and how to do it. And for me, and I tweeted about this, if that's not just coach speak and that's actual development for Joe Mixon, if maybe that's part of him understanding what Frank Pollock wants or if he's just taken that step, that would be a big development for this team, keeping him on the field a little bit more often. Absolutely. It would be huge. It would be huge for Burrow. It would be huge for the offense because as good as Giovanni Bernard is, I mean, he has the most receptions from a running back in Bengals history. The moment Joe Mixon stepped off the field and Giovanni Bernard stepped on it from a talent standpoint with the ball in his hands from an explosion standpoint, all of those things, it, it, it took a hit and it, it was a downgrade. Now, Bernard was a better pass blocker, so that's why he's in the game, right? And I get that. But if you can get the best of both worlds – with a guy in Mixon who's bigger than Bernard, obviously stronger than Bernard, but just didn't have the the instincts, right, or whatever the case is, and not many running backs too, by the way, and that's why Bernard is in, in Tampa Bay right now to, to pass protect the way he did. If Mixon can come close to that, then he has a chance to be one of the best running backs in the NFL. And, and that's the part of this. If you want to unlock this full offense, we'll talk about the three-headed monster at wide receiver all day. We'll talk about Joe Burrow all day. But can you imagine if Joe Mixon takes a step, not only as a playmaker with the ball in his hands in front of a or behind a revamped offensive line, uh, also catching the ball, which we 
think he does pretty well. I don't really question that at all, and I never really have. But also as a pass blocker, I mean, if he can do those things, he has a chance to be maybe the top running back in the AFC North, which is it's, it includes two great running backs in Cleveland. I mean, great top 10 running backs in Cleveland. And so uh, I'm putting a lot of uh, – I'm throwing a lot out there. But my point is, is if he takes a step forward – he could be one of the best running backs in the NFL. And I think the Bengals feel like that, that that's the case. Otherwise, they wouldn't have paid him. But this also might be a lip, lip service from Zach Taylor. And that's kind of the concern, right, yeah. is that this could just be, oh, he knows where to go. All right, well, now we need to see it, Joe. And it is a big-time prove-it year for Joe Mixon. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I'm pumping the brakes a little bit on best running back in the AFC North until we see it. Until sure. we see it. Sure, sure. James, let's wrap up today's conversation with revisiting one question from the mailbag about how we're going to cover this team and what coverage of the NFL might look like this year. And also one other observation about the way the Bengals are running their OTAs compared to some other teams. We'll wrap that up coming up next. Summer vacation is right around the corner. I know I got my trips planned, baby. Can't wait to get a little tan. And guess what? You want to feel good. You want to look good when you're on the beach, when you're soaking up the rays and you can do that with Built Bar. Look, there are a lot of protein bars out there that can help you. None better than Built Bar. I've been using these for years, long before my return to the Locked on Bengals podcast. And it's not just their nine delicious flavors, whether it's the coconut, almond, or the cherry, or the mint brownie, or peanut butter brownie, or the fact that they're covered in 100% chocolate. It's the macros. They taste great, and they're high, high, high in protein, low in sugar, low in calories, perfect for you. So you got to check these out at BuiltBar.com. And when you go there, use promo code LOCK15. You're going to get 15% off your first order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. James, the last note on OTAs I want to talk about today is just the difference in the way the Bengals are running things and some other teams around the league. Because we've seen clips from the Washington football team or the Dallas Cowboys who are showing essentially full contact. You're seeing guys getting hit a little bit, receivers bang, bang plays where they're taking shots and getting tackled effectively. The Bengals, I think, shying away from contact on the other end of the spectrum a little bit. But not only that, the Bengals aren't even doing seven on sevens. They're not doing 11 on 11s. So they're somewhere firmly in the middle, I think, compared to some other teams. And I asked our locked on host for for what's going on with some of those 21 teams that opted out of OTAs. For example, the Seahawks veterans didn't show up until this week. They've only had 35 players in OTAs prior to yesterday. And according to Corbin, who does Locked on Seahawks, it was a 45-minute practice. And that was a compromise they had to reach in order to get veterans to show up. According to Lauren Cox, who, who does Locked on Bears podcast, the Bears had one veteran defensive player come and three total defensive linemen in camp. And that's it. 
So the Bears on the not participating in OTA side of the spectrum, the Browns had a lot of guys on defense show up, but Baker Mayfield isn't there. And all those skill guys are apparently hanging out down in Texas and getting their work in away from the facility and away from the team. So the Bengals, on the one hand, had everybody show up and they're all doing work. On the other hand, and and maybe this is the case for some other teams, but it just seems like some of those other teams are pushing the envelope a little bit further. So I'm going to be very curious, James, to see how this changes in mandatory minicamp next week where there's no real negotiations. This is a mandatory activity. You guys are going to show up or you're not going to get paid or you're going to lose some money. And so I wonder if or how the practices will change next week. I think they may change a little bit, but if I'm Zach Taylor, you have a guy in Joe Burrow who obviously isn't going to participate in any, but most of the, these things, he hasn't been cleared for, for contact and not that you contact the quarterback anyway, but you get my point. You're not going to have offensive linemen and defensive linemen around him at all or anywhere near him uh, at this stage. I might not change it much, I really might not. I mean, maybe you do some some one-on-ones where you get corners and receivers going at it a bit, but d- do you need do you need to do 7 on 7 in how beneficial? I guess it would be beneficial for Jamar Chase, but outside of Chase, how beneficial is it for any of the other starters essentially to do uh, a 7 on 7, specifically the skill players without Joe Burrow? I mean, you know, like that's so so that would be part of it. So I think you'll see a little bit, uh, a, a little bit more, just like we have throughout OTAs, but I don't think it's going to be crazy. And I would be shocked, honestly, if we saw hitting next week, maybe it'll happen, but, uh, I, I would be kind of surprised because the Bengals usually during camp, just in general, um, over the past five, six years, even pre Zach Taylor and certainly last season, there wasn't a ton of hitting, not many live periods. And so I, I would expect that to, to be the case again, uh, with mini camp next week. Definitely an intentional implementation of practices under Zach Taylor. I would say that seven on sevens would be beneficial though, James, because you could put Joe Burrow in those drills for one. There's nobody rushing, right? You're you're not playing with lines essentially. And I think it would be good for the defensive backs and, and the secondary and some of these linebackers to get them a little bit of, of work against the offense. And I, I was going to ask you earlier, on some of these position drills, is there coverage? Like, do we have corners over receivers on these plays, or is it just on air? It's on air. And so that's what I meant about the the one-on-one stuff. And you're right. Seven-on-seven, seven, uh, you could do, um, I guess. I misspoke there. It, it would be – I guess that would be fine, and maybe you see that next week. And it would be beneficial. You're right when you flip it for the defensive backs. And, and for, again, for Chase, which I, I do think that is important, it would, uh, it would help. But – no, it, it's been on air, which that's why I think at minimum you probably do see at least some one-on-ones next week between these corners and these receivers. I think it'll be interesting to watch. I hope we get some of that. I know that Zach Taylor talked a little bit about the the new corners and, and trying to see what they're about and how they're going to react to some things. So I think that would be beneficial James, let's wrap up with the question that we said we were tabling for a future conversation from last week's mailbag. That came from Dustin Croft, and he was talking about the recent Naomi Osaka trials and tribulations in the French Open, and he wants to know what kind of responsibility do media and podcasters have regarding not being overly critical of everything a player says or does and allowing them to have space and grow and understand when they're frustrated and maybe say the wrong thing. 
And I think this plays into a bigger conversation, James, with the way the NFL is going to be covered this year with the Player Association and the NFL resisting letting reporters back into locker rooms. And that's the part that's worrisome for me because that one, there are a lot of fans that think that not having reporters in locker rooms is fine and that the coverage hasn't taken a hit. I'll tell you right now, my relationships with a lot of these guys that we're talking about would be so much stronger if I with T Higgins, for example, I'll just use him. Joe Burrow, for example, Logan Wilson, you know, any of these young guys that I haven't met yet, right? Because of COVID and because of what happened last year, you can get to know them and that is a a valuable tool. So when you're talking about just press conference settings and not being able to talk to these guys, they're not made available any other time. So if you don't get them in the locker room, you're never getting them one-on-one like that. And if it's in a news conference setting or even a, a small uh, group setting where the, you know there's three or four writers or a TV person or you know whatever the case is, that's fine and there's value in that. But those you're going to miss out on some details, and there are certain questions that you ask one-on-one that you aren't going to necessarily ask when you know someone from Channel Five or Channel Nine or Channel Twelve just needs to get two minutes on the deep ball or two minutes on the Ravens cornerbacks for week five. Well, if I want to ask Joe Burrow uh, about his favorite barbecue and go in depth about, you know, the summer cookout that fueled the the Jamar Chase connection even more or his special bond with Chris Evans, or you get my point, you don't get to do that. And that's the part that stinks, especially if you're talking about COVID-19 and if the vac- the vaccine is what everyone assumes it is, and you're fully vaccinated, but you can't go in in the NFL and the NFLPA says you can't go in the locker rooms because of COVID-19. Well, that doesn't really make sense if you're fully vaccinated to not be able to do that. So uh, I think that the overall coverage is going to hurt. It's going to suffer. And you're going to have people on the ground floor or people that reporters that are supposed to be on the ground floor doing more guesswork, which is not what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to be the ones that clear up the guesswork. And it was harder to do last year. Totally understand that. But hopefully we can get back to normal, all the way to normal, uh, sooner rather than later. Yeah, I think everyone's essentially made this point by now. What we're going to lose is the direct from the player stories. And I, I don't know. I mean, I assume the NFLPA has probably thought about this. But that's the big struggle for me is that like you said, you don't build that individual report. When we've had guys on the podcast in the past, even it is one-on-one and that's great. And I feel like we've had some really fun conversations with players and hopefully that resumes this year as you know, teams are more comfortable with zooms and whatnot. Hopefully we can have players back on the podcast this year, but that, that locker room access, while I understand the reasons why, you know, players wouldn't want to answer questions after practice or after a game or whatever. That really is an avenue for them to control the narrative in, in a way that is challenging to do. And yes, there's social media now and yes, there's a player's tribune and these other avenues, but I think there's still value in those one-on-one relationships between journalists and, and players and athletes and coaches. And that helps to tell the story of what's going on. So as far as Naomi Osaka and the responsibility the media and podcasters have, I mean, I think that's a totally different issue than, than locker room access, but it does kind of fit together with the picture of 
how the NFL will be covered this year. I think with Osaka, there's some, I mean, my, my personal feeling, I guess, is mental health comes first. And if somebody says, and, and maybe it wasn't handled great, if somebody says they don't want to deal with the media because they have mental health issues with it, then fine. I mean, who cares? You'll, you'll get on without talking to that player. It, it's too bad for the players, too bad for the media. Yes, I know their contractual obligations, whatever. I mean, for me, mental health absolutely comes first and maybe it makes me you know, a soft person in the eyes of some of our listeners, but I don't really care. There's a huge stigma around, around mental health in the world and it's not really deserved. And I think that uh, people really need to do a better job of being empathetic and putting that first when people talk about it. And so that's kind of the long and short of it. If there was an NFL player, take Geno Atkins, for example, he never talked to the media. I mean, it was, it was like a joke at some point, but it was never a, it was never such a big deal. And he was on the all decade team. It was never such a big deal as Naomi Osaka, not talking to the media. Sure. Right? No, no. And it was a, honestly, it was a joke because he should, he should have talked a little bit more and he, he was just, uh, really kind of like just, uh, superstitious, I guess from his, his injury. And, uh, and that was part of it. But yeah, look, the only player that is required essentially to talk week in and week out to the starting quarterback. Like that's the only one and uh, in a normal year at least. Right. And so, yeah, they, they're the ones that sit in the news conference room at Paul Brown stadium. And I sat in many, many, many with Andy Dalton, uh, a couple with AJ McCarron, you know, um, and, and that's just part of it. That's part of being uh, a starting quarterback in the NFL. That being said, this open locker room stuff, but just combining them, most players a year or two into the league know how to completely dodge it. And it, you may never see Joe Mixon during an open locker room because he just knows better. Brandon LaFell was great at this. He was the best at this. Uh, somehow walking through open locker room and still not getting picked up. And I think he probably learned that in New England. But he just had a way about him to to do it. If he needed to get something out of his locker, he did it. And he was in and out. He was quicker in and out of that open locker room than he was his breaks. I mean, this dude. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I, I think, uh, I, I think that there is, look, if you're having a, a bad mental health day or mental health you, in, in the locker rooms open, I, I think that most reporters would say, okay, I'll get you the next day. Like I know I would, like I'm not forceful with that stuff. There's very few things that I'm going to need so damn bad that I'm going to, you know, push people out of the way and all that stuff that you see. It's just not, not it. Cause there's going to be 25 ideas I have on my sheet that, that I can roll with usually during the season. And cause there's storylines galore during the NFL season. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I, I agree with you that if, if someone doesn't want to talk that time, and I know there's a Bengals player right now that doesn't want to talk and is probably going to talk, uh, during camp and we'll see, uh, if camp is mini camp next week or if camp is uh, training camp in a month and a half, we'll see. The other thing I think about with this, and we should really wrap up, but like I think back to the the Bobby Hart Instagram stuff. There's certain things where I'm going to rip a guy for it if it's like highly questionable conspiracy theory kind of stuff. But if it's something like I don't want to talk to the media because it gives me severe anxiety that is detrimental to my life. If somebody says that, I'm going to take them at their word. So I, I think there is a, a balance here where 
you do want to make sure you're getting the player side of the story. You want to make sure that you're not just reacting. And this is a lesson that I had to learn at some point is, is don't just react. The sometimes, sometimes those reactions, if they're too innocuous things, like you're reacting to a play is fine. But a lot of times you go back and you look at that reaction later and you're like, Oh, I was kind of, I was kind of a jerk or I was wrong or whatever it is. And, and you take a second to process it and take a step back and and sometimes you'll come through with a more conscientious and grounded opinion of whatever that thing is. So there's a little bit on all sides of this. And the Osaka issue with the French Open is its whole its whole own beast. But with the NFL specifically and, and what we do, I think everybody that listens to the podcast knows, James, that you and I are always try to be fair. We try to make sure we get every side of things covered and you know, when we had Mina on even just last week, it was, okay, let's, let's see, you know, what's understood and, and what maybe we could push. And, and she had a very good understanding of the situation with the Bengals offensive line, I think, and explained herself well. And when you find that common ground, usually you're not so adversarial anymore. Right. And so if you take that approach more generally with a lot of things, you probably get better outcomes and better conversations. We should have had this conversation before the Sewell Chase debate had Bengals fans at each, each other's throats for a, a month and a half. Or You're more. right. You're <laughs> right. But like, were they going to listen with, I mean, no. people, people no. were stoking the fire too. That's the other part of it. There was money to be made there, James. There, that's like, that's like talk radio 101. Stoke oh, those. I was team chase, baby. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. We're back on Thursday night. Until next time, Bengals fans, day and have a good one. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.